us to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're looking at verses 6 to 16 this morning. did want to give you just a, a quick report on our time at the, uh, the Roseville Barbecue and Bands Fest. Uh, yesterday, if you if you helped with that in any way, I just want to say thank you. Some of you just provided materials. You weren't able to be there, but you provided materials or water. And particularly, there are a couple ladies who painted faces all day long, and uh, we just had a steady stream of of people coming and meeting. And we were able to have uh, several good conversations as a result of being there. Uh, and so, as we as we think about God's word going out. Let's pray also for those encounters that that we had uh, with people yesterday, that God might use just those little seeds that that have been planted uh, and and use them to to penetrate people's hearts uh, with the gospel. Um, And just uh, so I wanted to share that with you because I want us also to share stories about how God is working as we as we are being faithful to, to love our neighbors faithful to speak a word of, of the gospel. Uh, God is working all around us, and so we ought to be sharing these things with one another. There would be an excitement and an expectation that God, as, as we seek to be faithful, that God is going to work to, to reach people with the gospel. Uh, so pray for those encounters, that, the, that God would take his word and penetrate hearts with that. And along with that, we'll pray as, as we uh, consider his word this morning together. Let's pray. Father, we, we do ask that you would help us to be faithful in uh, loving our neighbors and in um, sharing the gospel with them. Uh, help us to be eager missionaries in our communities, in our town, in the town of Rollsville. And we pray that you would take the words that we uh, spoke yesterday to, to many people and use those for your glory, that you would plant a seed that would, would grow and sprout and eventually result in faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, we also pray this morning as we consider your word together and as I preach it, we pray that you would, you would come in and move in power, that you would work invisibly in our hearts to, to change us, to mold us and shape us into the image of Christ uh, by your word. Uh, pray that you would... Help me to be faithful in proclaiming it, that you would give us all a a desire and a passion to know you more, to love you more, to walk in your way. So we pray that you would accomplish all of your holy will by your holy word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, according to a Pew Research study a few years ago, I think it was about four years ago, more than a third of Americans now classify themselves as spiritual but not religious, as spiritual, but not religious. Even this week, I heard someone describe themselves in this way. I'm, I'm not religious. I'm not all about that religion stuff, but I, I'm very spiritual, they said. Um, but, and I pointed out, of course, what James says. Well, here's what true and uh, pure religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to, to care for widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And she said, oh, I, I agree with that. Um, but what does it mean to be spiritual? How can we measure someone's spirituality? Do we measure it by uh, the amount of energy or emotion that we have? Uh, during perhaps uh, music or worship, a worship set, is spirituality tied up in, in how excited we can get during uh, music or during someone's preaching even? 
Or maybe spirituality is wrapped up in how much Bible or theology a person knows. So does the, the one with the higher theological education have a greater spirituality? Perhaps someone might say, no, it has all to do with how good you are. So this person um, might say, it's the one with the most good deeds that wins the spirituality contest. Or maybe it's just one who thinks positively. He's always believing his life will turn around and work out well. He's believing that he's going to get a promotion and that things are going to go his way. Well, I think those who call themselves spiritual but not religious are after something in particular, and it seems that they have begun to think that spirituality has to do with getting outside of or away from the external rituals or behaviors which have characterized Christianity. So maybe they have a a knee-jerk reaction against being conformed to anyone or anything else telling them how to, to do spiritual life. But what we see in this passage is that true spirituality is actually characterized, biblical spirituality, really we could say Christian spirituality, just spirituality, is not about being released from all restraints so that we can live our spiritual life, so we can do spirituality how we think is best. It's about being conformed to someone else's ways and thoughts, the ways and thoughts of Christ. True spirituality is about being conformed to the image of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Look at our passage with me, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. May God bless, may God give his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word. Now, for the Corinthian believers, spirituality had become about their own way of doing spiritual life. It had become about their personal expression of their spiritual gifts, uh, really for their own individual building up. They wanted their wisdom, their strength to be appreciated 
and well-regarded. They, want they wanted everyone to know how spiritual they were. And how spiritual they were was measured by what spiritual gifts they were able to express. Remember, Paul has rebuked them for their divisiveness. They're acting like those around them in their culture, trying to be identified as, as wise, as intelligent, as uh, spiritual, at least in their own measurement, as those who are moving up in the world. But what they're actually doing is aligning themselves with the very things that God is bringing to nothing. God is establishing his wisdom, and he's bringing to nothing the wisdom and strength of this world. So in the verses we're looking at today, Paul continues this line of thinking, and he gives them a contrast to think about. It's a contrast between the natural person and the spiritual person. It's a contrast between someone who does not have the Spirit of God and someone who does have the Spirit. So that's the the what of this passage. But uh, we could ask, what's the why of the passage? Or what's the so what of the passage? I had a college professor who would always, after we read a scripture together, considered what the text meant, he would always ask, so what? What does it matter? What is the why of the passage? Why has Paul given this? Why has God given this? And what difference does it make? So what's the so what here? Why does Paul lay out this contrast? I think it's because Paul wants the Corinthian believers to recognize, really, they've been behaving and thinking more like natural people than like spiritual people. He wants them to be able to identify in themselves how they've been falling in line with the culture around them, how they've been thinking, how they've been behaving like people without the Spirit. He wants them to know who they are in Christ and what they've been given in the gospel. He wants them to see that the Spirit of God dwells in them. Do you realize that, Christian? The Spirit of the Almighty God resides in you, has made His home in you. And this has to revolutionize our lives, our thinking, our our speaking, our, our behavior, everything about us. He wants them to see this, that they might bring their, their thoughts, their actions in alignment with the truth of who they are. So that they would do it in joy. So that they would joyfully recognize what they have in Christ and then let their actions, their thoughts flow from that. So let me show you the, uh, two contrasts from this passage, two really main points, two differences between the natural person and the spiritual person. So first, the natural person and the spiritual person have completely different mindsets concerning the wisdom of God. So that's the first one, the wisdom of God. They have completely different mindsets concerning the wisdom of God. And second, they have completely different mindsets concerning the things of this world. Different mindsets about God and about this this world. And what you should be doing as we consider these two differences is weighing yourself, examining your own thoughts from day to day and your own uh, actions, your behavior at work, at school, in your community, in your neighborhood, among those in your family. Which which is true of me? Which, Which do I look like, the natural person or the spiritual person? So first notice, The different perspective concerning the wisdom of God. The natural person thinks little of God's wisdom. The spiritual person, however, thinks much of God's wisdom. 
Paul says, we do speak a message of wisdom, at least among the mature. Uh, but those of the world don't recognize it. It's kind of a, an undercut to the Corinthians. We do speak a wisdom, but only those who are mature in Christ can recognize it. In other words, uh, he calls them, it looks like in the next chapter, babies. You're, you're still immature. You're like, you're like little children. I can't feed you the meat of the word. Those in the world cannot understand this wisdom of God. It doesn't make any sense. And what does Paul say is exhibit A, that those of this age don't get the wisdom of God? It is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, who he calls the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. Now, I don't know what it is about us humans, but there's some sort of, it seems like there's some sort of natural instinct where we like to destroy things that are, that are beautiful or lovely or majestic. And so a little boy with a BB gun uh, sees a beautiful red-breasted robin. And what does he want to do? He wants to shoot it. Now, I'm not saying who this little boy is. I'm not saying his name was Jim. But I'm just saying it seems like something a little boy would do, right? Uh, or a group of uh, grown men go out into a field in Africa. And they see majestic beasts of the field, beautiful zebras, a wild boar, giant elephants, and of course, the great and mighty lion, the king of the jungle. And such a beautiful creature. And we see it, and what do we think? Hey, let's kill that. <laughs> Maybe it, it could be a part of our dominion over creation. It could be a part of uh, our dominion that's over creation that's gone off kilter a little bit. But it just seems like it's sort of a natural instinct. But think about this. The Jewish and Roman leaders 2,000 years ago saw the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. They saw the King of glory. They saw God in human flesh. They saw the only one throughout all of human history who had pure, a pure heart and clean hands. The only one who has come down from heaven and the only one who could ascend up to heaven by his own merit. They saw him and they thought, let's kill that. Let's kill him. It's because they didn't understand the wisdom of God. They saw the Lord of glory clothed in frail humanity. They saw him ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. They saw him and his band of misfits and thought it was stupid it was foolishness all because they did not they could not understand the wisdom of God and so in their great ignorance the greatest example of ignorance in all time they crucified the Lord of glory and this is a picture of how the world sees the wisdom of God it looks Foolish to the natural person. Paul goes on to say in verse 14 that the natural person doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit. In fact, they cannot understand them because they are spiritually perceived. The natural person thinks little of the wisdom of God. He doesn't think of the spiritual things of God much or often. And when he does, he doesn't think that they are worth much at all. They are foolish. The natural man has more important things on his mind. How to have a good life. How to get ahead in life. How to, to make more monies, how to, money. How to get the things that he desires. How to have fulfillment. 
self-fulfillment in this life. And so he has no time for the things of God. But Paul says that the wisdom of God is a mystery that's been hidden. Now this is a mystery, but it's not like what we might think. So the great Sherlock Holmes could always crack a mystery with enough observation, looking at all the details of the case, with enough analysis of the clues gained from his examination of the minute details, he could arrive at a a conclusion, an answer. But this mystery, Paul means something different here. This is a mystery that is hidden, that that we can't find out on our own. No matter how much we observe, no, no matter how much we search out, we cannot come to the answer or the conclusion. It's a mystery that can only be solved if the answer is given to us. If the answer is revealed to us. And this is what Paul says. This has been revealed to us by his spirit. Paul says it's a mystery that it's been destined for our glory before time began. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Paul's mind drifts back to the prophet Isaiah who is contemplating the unmatchable greatness of God. Nobody has ever heard of a God like this. Nobody has ever seen or perceived a God like this. A God who acts on behalf of his people, on those who wait for him. And Paul takes that passage in Isaiah about God's unmatchable greatness and applies this wonder at God's greatness to his generosity in what he has prepared and is giving to his people, to those who love him. In other words, nobody has ever seen a God like this or heard of a God like this or perceived in their own mind how generous God is to his people and what he has given us in Christ. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It is incomprehensible what God has prepared for his people. You see, the greatest act of ignorance concerning the wisdom of God was also the greatest and climactic expression of the wisdom of God. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ for sinners. The gospel that Jesus died on the cross for sinners. This is the wisdom of God on full display. And even now, we, we should approach this with some sense of, this is unbelievable, with some sense of wonder and awe at what God has given us in Christ. It should be kind of unbelievable. But I've noticed something that is, as we get familiar with the gospel, as we forget, get familiar with the things of God, we may begin to forget about the glorious wisdom of God in it. Perhaps we begin to think of the gospel merely in terms of doctrine or knowledge or intellectual assent to the things of God. We might begin to think of it as, a, as though Jesus were in a boardroom with the Father and he just completed this, trans, this legal transaction. Okay, I'm going to pay for uh, the sins of these people. Where do I sign? Okay, I sign right here at the bottom of this page. There, the, the transaction is done. He signed his name at the bottom of the contract, and he paid the debt that we owed. Is that, is that the gospel? Is that all we can consider concerning the wisdom of God? Brothers and sisters, don't lose sight of this glorious wisdom of God. Jesus Christ took my sins and my sorrows. And He took yours if you are in Christ. Every last one of them. He made them His own. 
Jesus did not merely pay for my sins or your sins in some sort of cold, legal transaction. But he took the full weight of my sin on his shoulders. Brothers and sisters, he took your sins on his shoulders. He bore my shame in his body. He bore your shame in his body. He felt its ugliness. He felt its bitterness. He felt the sting of my sin and of your sin as those nails went through his flesh. He felt the sting of death that you and I deserve as he gasped for his last breath. And he felt the sting of God's wrath that was due to you. The worst part of all, the wrath of God that I deserve, that you deserve. He did this for you, Christian. This is the glorious wisdom of God. And it is amazing. Now the natural person thinks little of this. But the spiritual person, this is the matchless Wisdom of God. This is everything that I have and everything that I need. The spiritual person thinks much of this and he thinks of it much. This is a mark of a person who is spiritual. He doesn't go long without thinking about the cross of Christ. He not only understands it, but he he accepts it and he glories in it. He recognizes that this was the plan of God from before time began, and he planned it somehow mysteriously for our glory. So friends, are you merely a natural person in this sense? Can you be considered a spiritual person? What do you think of this wisdom of God? What what has been the pattern of your thinking over the last week? Have you thought much of the wisdom of God? Have you thought of it much? Frequently, often. Christ in His crucifixion for your sins. Have you, like the Corinthian believers, become like our culture in how you think about spiritual things? Is it often that you're tracing over in your minds the wounds of Christ which paid your penalty. And there's so, only so much time in the day. There are important things which need to be done. There are bills that need to be paid and grass that needs to be mowed among a thousand other responsibilities that you have. But you cannot give the short shrift to considering, treasuring, contemplating the wisdom of God in the gospel. Where is your time for considering the cross of Christ? The wisdom of God. The spiritual things that God has prepared for His people. Now, of course, we know why this is that some people think this wisdom of God is wonderful and why others think little of it. It's because there are different spirits at work in these people. Why this different mindset? Because there are different spirits in verses 10 through 14. We understand these things not because we were smart enough or spiritual enough or earnest enough to try to find out the truth about God. No, God has graciously revealed these things to us by His Spirit. Everything that we have is a gift from God. 
The Spirit, Paul says, searches out all things, even the deep things of God. Now, it's not as though he has to try to, the Spirit has to try to search out and figure out what God is thinking. No, the Spirit is God. He is of the same essence of God, and therefore, he knows the deep things of God. He penetrates the, the deep things of God. Paul uses this illustration to help us see this. No other human knows my thoughts, what I'm thinking, and only if you knew, if you knew what I was thinking sometimes. But Paul says it's the same thing with God. We don't know his thoughts. We can't know his thoughts because we aren't him. But the Spirit of God knows all things. He knows the mind of God. But here's where it gets even better. Paul says that we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Notice quickly that the Spirit is not some simple life force in the world. He's not simply rays of warmth and light coming from the sun. He is a person. Note the personal pronoun. Who comes from God? He comes from God. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. He is God. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, this is the Spirit we have received. If we are in Christ. The same Holy Spirit which indwelt Paul and the apostles, carrying them along to write the Holy Scriptures, that same Spirit indwells us by faith in Christ. And all who are in Christ by faith brings us understanding, reveals to us the truth of His Word. Friends, we have the Spirit taught words explaining spiritual realities in the words of Scripture. But it's not until the Spirit takes those words and brings them to bear on our hearts that we respond in faith. This is the reason we understand the wisdom of God. It has been revealed to us, for as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But the natural person only has the spirit of this world. He receives human words about human realities and nothing more. He doesn't accept the things that come from God, and he won't. He can't. Unless and until the Holy Spirit comes along and enters into him, gives him the new birth and new life in Jesus Christ, he will not understand. And this leads to different mindsets. We saw the different mindset concerning the wisdom of God. But it also gives us different perspectives concerning all things or the things that are going on in this world. Look at verses 15 and 16. A different perspective of all things. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. Consider the different minds of the natural and spiritual persons. The natural person has the mind of this world. His perspective is limited to the wisdom of the world. He judges things or discerns them only from a merely human point of view. But what does Paul say about the Christian, about the spiritual person? He says that the spiritual person has the mind of Christ. And therefore, the spiritual person makes judgments. It means he makes uh, discernment. He has discernment about all things. In other words, he has the ability to look at his situation and see it not merely from a human point of view, but from God's perspective, from a spiritual point of view. And Paul's not saying that we become infallible 
or without error when we become believers, when we're indwelt by the Spirit. And it's not that Christians automatically become better at certain skills because they have the Spirit. For instance, I'd, I'd much rather have an atheist surgeon who is at the top of his class than a Christian who just barely skirted by to get his degree. I want whoever's the absolute best at what they do when it comes to that. But I'm saying this, those who have the Spirit of God are given insight into a different dimension of our human existence. We're able to see things not only according to the ways of this world. In some mysterious way, we're able to look on things through the perspective of God through a spiritual perspective. It's not some super power or something we've been given. It's actually connected to the Word of God in the Bible. Paul and the other apostles, those who were with Jesus and sent out by Jesus, they spoke words taught by the Holy Spirit. They explained spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. And in the plan of God, we have these writings, the God-breathed scriptures. They have been preserved for us over the centuries, and now the Spirit's teaching in the 66 books of the Old and New Testament is wisdom from God. And what the Spirit does is illuminate our minds so that we can understand these spiritual realities. So, That we can read the words on the page and not only comprehend the words in the particular order that we read them, but understand the spiritual meaning behind them. And as we become saturated with the Spirit's teaching through Scripture, we are more and more able to discern all things, not only according to a human point of view, but from a spiritual viewpoint. So remember the context here. The Corinthian Christians aren't doing a good job of discerning all things, are they? They're seeing the world just like uh, their culture around them sees it. They see how the culture loves the big shots and the movie stars, and so they try to, to make their own Christian big shots. They try to become the big shots themselves. But one who has the Spirit would perceive things differently. They'd be able to look at the situation and see that their culture's way of doing things was contrary to God's. They'd say it's not the wise of this world or the powerful of this world that's right with God. They will come to nothing but the lowly, the contrite, the humble and meek, those who are desperate and dependent upon Christ. These are the ones who make up the kingdom of God. No one has ever been able to crawl into the mind of God so they can become his teacher and know his thoughts. But look what Paul says at the end of verse 16. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. The Corinthian believers weren't thinking like believers. They weren't thinking and perceiving like those who had the Spirit dwelling within them. And therefore, they weren't living in alignment with who they actually were in Christ. They were indwelt by the Spirit, but they were acting more like natural people than spiritual people. So consider the question we began with. What does it mean to be a spiritual person? And it's this, a person is spiritual to the extent that his or her thinking is conformed to that of Christ. We are spiritual people to the extent that our minds are conformed to the mind of Christ. And then our behavior, our view of the world, all that we are will be shaped into the image of Christ. I'm sure you know the oft-quoted passage in Romans 8.28. You have it memorized. 
And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do you know the next verse? It says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Paul says here, How we know that God is working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Because God foreknew a people and he destined that they would be conformed to the image of his son. So brothers and sisters, God not only rescued you from death and hell. He also has put his spirit within you. You have been given the mind of Christ and he is molding your thoughts, your intentions, your actions so that you will become more like Christ each day. Day. And isn't this your prayer, Christian? Is this your prayer? Is this your desire that you would become more like Christ? Not because in doing so we would ever begin to make up for all of our sins, but because in Christ we see what we should have been all along. We see his humility. We see his sacrificial love and his service to others. We see his willingness to forsake himself in obedience to the Father. We see in Christ what we desire to be. Without spot or wrinkle. Perfectly pleasing to the Father. A life lived for the glory of God alone. Do you desire these things, Christian? I have good news. In Christ, this is how God looks upon you. Not only as though you had never sinned, but as though you had kept the law perfectly from the day you were born to this present moment all the way to the end. You are hidden in the robe of Christ's perfect righteousness. He has taken away your sins And you have become a precious child of God. And it is all of His grace. Let us pray together.